This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? I'm Joan Burton, and I was born in Seattle, and I've lived here all my life. All right. Well, hey, uh, a lot of people seem to know you um, that listen to the show. I've had a couple requests uh, to have you on. and uh, Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the most recent one was from uh, somebody in my uh, Facebook group called Jennifer Johnson is her name, and uh, and she just really loved your book. And um, I missed the name of that person. I didn't hear what you said. Oh yeah, uh, her name was Jennifer Johnson. Oh, I know Jennifer Johnson. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's probably why she was excited to get you on here and and find out some more about you. So, um, well, anyway, uh, what what book did you was she so excited about? It's called Best Hikes with Kids in Washington, and it first came out in 1988, and it's been in various forms ever since. It's called Best Hikes with Children at first in western Washington in the Cascades, and it became Best Hikes with Kids in 2006. And this spring, it's going into a new format with a new author, and I'm happy for her, and I think she'll do a good job. Her name is Susan Elderkin. Well, that's great. Yeah, I, I think I have contact with her already, and I'm excited to dive in and talk to the book about the book with her. So I don't want to get too involved uh, with the with the um, details of the book. But uh, what about as far as what made you want to write that book originally? Well, I had grown up in Seattle and I had gone as a teenager with the Mountaineers on many many trails, and had been lucky enough to go with Iris Spring to the summit of Mount Rainier and to camp in the crater overnight when I was a teenager. And uh, I just completely fell in love with our mountains, and I've never really gotten over that. Yeah. Well, that's great. So then uh, you kind of wanted to pass that on to kids. Uh... I did, and I, when I had children of my own, luckily I had uh, a lot of memories of where we had gone to climb because often we would go to a lake or a waterfall or a river someplace and then go on to climb something but i remembered how to do that there were no hiking guides at that time but i had this this memory of how we'd gotten to some places and i couldn't wait to show them to my own children and i was still friends with iris spring in edmonds and he said he had a surprise for me one day and he'd gone to mountaineers books and proposed the idea of a book of hikes for children to mountaineers books and um they said well did, did this writer he had in mind ah. know how to write? And he said, yes, he did think so. <laughs> so I was the recipient of a beautiful gift. I got to spend a couple summers doing research. And I went out every weekend, and I had such a good time. It was one of the happiest, most creative times in my life when I got to do that. Wow. So when you were researching these hikes and getting ready to, to write the book, then can you describe that process where you bring it out paper and pen or how'd that work? Yes, I did. Um, I was working full time at the University of Washington at the time. So during the week, I would, on my lunch hour, I would get out maps and, and I'd be thinking about clustering some possible trails all in one area. And then when the weekend came, I'd have everything in line 
and I'd start out with my notebook in my hands. And of course, some of the trails weren't good enough. I had to be sure they'd be something that kids would love, but I mostly found that they would love lakes. I mean, I believe that from my own children. They want to be able to go into the water when they reach their <laughs> destination. Yeah. And I knew that some of our mountain lakes would be cold, but they'd love them anyway. So I had maybe eight or nine in mind for the weekend. And I would go from trail to trail to trail. And I'd go up someplace and I'd sit for 20 minutes, half an hour, and I'd write notes about what the trail was like and what I'd seen and why children would love it. And then I'd head back down and get in my car. And it never it failed me. I never had a flat tire or, I mean, I have had flat tires, but I didn't during this period. Oh, I nice. never had a dead battery. I'd get down to my car and move to the next trailhead and off I'd go again. Uh, so that was two summers. And Iris said, well, we probably won't need more than 100, maybe less. And at the end of the first summer, I had 125. But that didn't mean they were all good enough. And it didn't mean that there weren't others out there, so we spent a little longer. And Ira would check my write-ups, and he'd say, you remember the big stump where you turn? And I'd say, yeah, do I need to put that in? He'd say, yes. Yeah. And he had this photographic, this is Ira Spring, the photographer. He had this photographic memory of trails, and he'd say, well, you want to be sure you put in the important landmarks that people can look for. And he remembered them. Just an amazing mentor, and I was so lucky. Wow. And so how, how did you get to know Ira then? Well, my sister and I and some others were uh, in the Mountaineers Climbing Course in 1951, 52, 53. And the chairman of the climbing course was Harvey Manning. And this is before he had done any of the uh, trail guides. But Ira had an assignment from a magazine no one had ever heard of called Sports Illustrator. It's a brand new magazine, and it was going to be the second issue and he said he was looking for four teenagers to climb to Mount Rainier and camp in the summit and would Harvey recommend four and he did and my sister and I were among them so we became really good friends and we remained good friends for the rest of our lives rest of his life and he did all kinds of nice things for us he, he did uh, a lot of other things too we did a lot of hikes together and uh, he he was always looking for a good story, so he made up some good assignments for the Seattle Times and for other magazines as well. Well, that was uh, something I reached out to some of my friends and some people that know you, and uh, Craig Romano was one of them, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he said to uh, ask you about some of those uh, hiking and climbing with Iris Spring. Oh, it was just a joy. I mean, he loved being in the mountains, and it was his passion. So hiking with him anywhere was always so much fun. I remember, and I was over in the Metal last week for four days skiing, cross-country skiing, and I remember going up the, the Chiwach Road, which is right out of Winthrop, when he began his work on uh, <clears throat> the Central Cascades guidebook. And he wanted to put in something about the Pesaten. So off we went backpacking into, at that time, territory that wasn't preserved very well. We found cows that were in the meadows, polluting the water, and we <laughs> oh, found no. horses that were tied around tree trunks, and so the bark of the trees, these alpine tender trees, were being destroyed. And we, we had a fabulous time. We, we went to a place called the Copper Glance Mine, and Ira put in, took pictures of, of trails and took notes, just as I always did. That's how I learned how to do it. 
And at one point, we heard the sound of what I thought were babies or children crying. And I started running up the trail, and he laughed, and he said, those are coyotes, no children out here. <laughs> so at the last day when we were going to come back from this Pusatan reconnaissance that most people didn't know about at that time, we had a long way to go, and the weather had changed. There was a storm coming in, and, and it didn't make sense to take any more time overnight. So he said, we're going to hike 20-some miles back to the truck. I said, my gosh, I'm not sure we can do that. He said, well, yes, we can. And I'll never forget, we <laughs> got the tent up and took a quick break. And what he did was to make up some red jello. I don't remember what kind, cherry or raspberry or strawberry or something. Cooked it up with some hot water, stirred it up, and we drank that. And that was our secret fuel that got us out back to the truck. As the rain began to fall, we were on our way home. Wow. Anyway, that was that was what it was like to hike with Iris. Always trying something that, that you didn't think you could do or going someplace that you'd never been, that you'd never heard about. And he'd always have such an observant eye that he'd point out what was unique and distinctive about it. Oh, that sounds cool. That's a great story, Joan. And uh, w- did you continue on after that? Did you ever bring Jello on the trail then? Sure. <laughs> it's a certainly an easy thing to do. To drink Jello isn't something we think of at home, but it's, it's a simple thing to do. To have prepared in case, you know, you never know if you're going to run out of food or be stuck someplace. Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's a good, good little tip. So, uh, you know, kind of getting back to uh, the kids and stuff. So what about you when you were a kid? Um, you know, you mentioned the Mountaineers and get, getting into that, but did you do any hiking before that? Yes, my father loved it. And my uh, mom didn't particularly love it, but he, my father would take my sister and I all kinds of places. And I remember... <laughs> going up the Lockwood Lake Trail when we were seven and eight. I don't know if you know that one, but... No, what, what is that? Alakwa. It's in the Snoqualmie Pass area. Oh, and I would yeah. not use it in the book because I think it's too hard now. <laughs> but we didn't know it was too hard. So we got there, and my father said, oh, he was so proud of us. We were so fast and so strong. And I remember thinking, this is the most beautiful alpine lake we'll ever see. Well, it was the first one we ever saw. There are many, many beautiful alpine lakes. <laughs> but I I don't think that that is a trail that I would put little children on. It's just a little bit rocky and steep and long. Well, what so about, I got to be more critical. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, so did uh, you guys go out often then? With my father? Oh, yeah. yeah. And my sister and I no longer climb together or hike together because she's moved to California. But she has Iris pictures, as do I, and she has made a a program that she presents to the Rotary Club and the Lions Club and the Kiwanis Club down in the San Jose area. People can't believe the glaciers and the beautiful volcanoes we have here. They have nothing like that down there, and they can't believe my sister did all of this when she was a teenager. Of course, Ira was so kind, and he shared copies of his black and white films that he was taking with each of us. We all have copies of them. The other two men are still around as well, and they have their copies. One of the picture stories that he did with my friend Gary Rose was to fly into the shoulder of Glacier Peak one by one. A little pilot flew in each climber. They camped there, and then they skied up to the summit of Glacier Peak and then down again. And it made a great story. Wow. What time of year was that? 
Oh, summertime, oh, July. Yeah. But oh. Glacier Peak is, you couldn't do that now. It's protected wilderness at that time. You could. It's just now you, you couldn't camp in the summit of crater of Mount Rainier. It's not allowed anymore. So weren't we lucky to be able to do that when it was possible? Oh, it's such That's a cool story. That's the way story. I look at it. I was lucky. Yeah, and you absolutely. should know, oh, my gosh, Yeah. when the sun sets and you're on the crater rim, you look out over Puget Sound and the Olympics, and you see the sun drop slowly behind, and then all of Puget Sound is below you, and it turns gold. Wow. It's just gorgeous. And then you turn around the other way, and the shadow of the mountain extends out into the eastern Washington wheat fields, and you're looking over half the state. Oh, that's, that is so cool how you describe that. Oh, man. Well, I'm looking at uh, your website right now, and I see, uh, uh, let's see, I, I wasn't able to find a picture of the uh, your actual article in the um, Sports Illustrated, but Washington Trails uh, had put out uh, a thing, and I believe they have a, a picture of you on the cover of one of their magazines there I found on your website. Is that true? Yeah, not too long ago, right. Yeah. The funny thing about that is <laughs> my father had bought me Army Surplus skis, the seven-foot wooden skis they used in World War II. That's all I knew. I thought I wasn't a very good skier, and I wasn't, but boy, oh boy, were those difficult. Anyway, the picture that appeared on the WTA cover was taken on the Tatouche Range Bridge. There's a place where you can hike up there in February. We had hiked up there with those skis and camped on a beautiful clear night with a full moon and stars and so on. And so the next morning, Ira took a picture of one of those skis, and I'm holding on to it. And I had a nice smile on my face, but later, I had to come down that thing, and I managed to go into every tree well in those wooden, old wooden skis that were so long. I had an awful time getting out of them and getting down. <laughs> so you have to, have to know the other side of the story. Yeah, no kidding. Sixmoondesigns.com Go over there and check it out. Give them a call. Give them an email. Check out their, their stuff online. Uh, they've got a lot of other things in tents, but I like to really highlight the tents. Um, they've got some packs and stuff, too. Um, anyway, th- if you need a tent for one or two people, this seems to be like the best weight, the best place to go. Uh, they have The one cool thing I really like about the company is that they haven't just streamlined it just for the ultralight backpacker. They've also got, you know, you know, if you want a, a six moon design tent, then they have uh, the price for you. You can get uh, the the ultralight one or or the uh, uh, the non ultralight style, same style, but it, it's a little bit more. Uh, it might be a little bit more weight, but the price is better. So you know, you can kind of choose what you want there. You can get these tents just as like a mesh tent uh, to keep the bugs out, or you can. They have tarps as well. So I mean, I'm I, I'm telling you, I haven't been this excited about a tent in a long time. Um, Sixmoondesigns.com. Follow them on Instagram and tell them the Cascade Hiker Podcast sent you. One thing that uh, also that Craig Romano wanted to kind of bring up too was uh, that you knew a lot of the pioneers and the mountaineers. Um, we did, yeah. You know, and sure. uh, what, can you kind of talk about a few of those people? Or uh, I mean, because to, to me, you're you're one of the pioneers as well. So, well, I'm not as old as most of the people we we climbed with. We were lucky because um, we got to know some of these old timers that were so famous. My sister was in a movie made about safety in the mountains called "The Mountains Don't Care," 
and it was used by Boy Scout troops and school PTAs and so on for years and years and years. But the movie featured my sister and another fellow whose name I don't remember, and a couple of old-timers named Omi Diber and his wife Mady Diber, D-A-I-B-E-R. Okay. And the idea was that kids who aren't prepared for a mountain accident can get into trouble, and they should have been prepared, and that they were lucky that these two older folks were there to help them. And as a matter of fact, Carol did dislocate her shoulder, but that had nothing to do with that trip. She had done that prior. But she, anyway, it's a nice little movie. And let's see, we knew, we knew Harvey and his wife Betty Manning really well. She only died last year. And uh, <clears throat> my sister and I climbed a mountain in the Olympics with a, Another legend named Pete Choning. I'm not sure why he asked us to do it, but the mountain <laughs> we climbed is called Cruiser. And it's a very steep, monolithic rock pillar near Flapjacks Lakes. I, I think he thought we were more accomplished rock climbers than we were. <laughs> but I, we got there. I, I had what they call sewing machine knees. I, my knees were shaking all the way up because I could see lakes between my legs looking down. Anyway, we got up to the top, and he said, well, now we just have an 80-foot rappel down. Oh, my goodness, an 80-foot <laughs> rappel. <laughs> oh, we did it because Pete Choning was so competent, and we trusted him. And I don't know if you know who that is, but let me tell you one quick story about him. Yeah. We have one more minute. Pete Choning was on the climb of K2 when five men were trying to lower an injured climber, and the ropes got tangled, and they were going faster and faster down a very steep slope and there was a drop off at the bottom this is this became legendary because pete threw on a boot belay he, he wrapped the rope that held all these men around his boot and held them and saved their lives so that's what kind of a person pete Schoening was wow yeah, could, that's amazing could, yeah it was wow and uh, you know just to be able to be out there with those folks and and mingle and hike with them and climb with them. That's just amazing. Um, what about later on then? Uh, so when you got the book going, um, you got your kids out there and stuff. How how old were your kids then when you started getting out them out and on the trail? Well, we started very early. I, I remember carrying Carol, and um, <laughs> she'd pour herself her own baby bottle and then carry it on the trail. <laughs> they They were toddlers when we began with them. And and we went backpacking with them, too. I think our last backpack was up near the Enchantments on another trail, paralleling the Enchantments called uh, Windy Pass. And uh, so they, they did a lot of hiking when they were in their teens. They've kind of gone in different directions, but two of them are teachers. I'm proud of that. And one of them is with the um, American Federation of Teachers. He's with the union. So oh, I'm, I'm proud of my kids. Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. Um, well, one thing that Jennifer Johnson wanted me to bring up, uh, she she told me to ask you about, uh, was there a time you were backpacking with the kids and they just refused to hike? Yes. <laughs> How does she know that? <laughs> <laughs> Their father had left a, the four of us, my three kids and me and a dog um, at Snoqualmie Pass, and he was going off to a workshop in Ellensburg for the week, and we were going to go exploring Commonwealth Basin and Red Mountain and some of the other peaks in the same area. And we 
we did just fine the first day. We got up to Red Mountain. We didn't have enough water, but there was a lake, and they were fine. <laughs> and the, the dog was happy to see the lake and did a swan dive into it. And they sang because they were at that time singing with the Northwest Boy Choir. And I, I went off the trail a little bit to look around, and I could hear their voices. So we were just fine. And then the next day, I said, well, we'll just pack up our things and go up to Snow Lake, and you'll love Snow Lake. Such a beautiful place. But it was all uphill, and they were hot and tired, and their father wasn't there to carry all the weight, the tent <laughs> and the stove and all the rest of it. And so <laughs> we had a sit-down boycott in the middle of the trail. And it's funny that Jennifer remembers it, because I remember it so well, I must have told her. And they, uh, they said, we're not going any further. This is it. And so we put up the tent in the middle of the trail without a stream even close by. <laughs> And the next morning we got up and we went on to the lake. They never said that they were sorry, and I think they were amazed at how beautiful Snow Lake is. And later, you know, they wouldn't talk about what had happened. They would just say, let's go. And they'd take their friends to Snow Lake, and they'd never mention the boycott. (laughs) But I remember. (laughs) I bet you do. (laughs) That's good. All right, we're talking about waymarkgearco.com. I want to direct you over there. Uh, kind of talk a little bit about um, they do have their through 38 and 42 liter packs and their 50 liter packs. Um, they the through packs start at 210, the 50 liter packs start at 260 dollars. So go check those out. But I also want to talk about their accessories, add-ons. Uh, the ones my daughters both have and love are the uh, the mesh water bottle holders there or phone pocket. And there's more than that, too. I mean, the zippered shoulder pouch, hip belt pockets, uh, messenger bags. Um, I know one of his big hits at PCT Days I saw Mark there was his fanny packs. He actually sold two fanny packs. His wife and him were both wearing a fanny pack, and they sold them off their own bodies. So those were a big item there. Um, So, you know, look for those in the future. They got stickers and uh, gift cards and stuff. So this is all just extra stuff on top of their packs and – Anyway, go over there and follow them on Instagram, waymarkgearco.com. Oh, man. Um, well, I reached out. Uh, somebody else that, that commented on wanting to find out a, a question from you was uh, Brian Schaefer. He runs Best of the Northwest videos about uh, hiking and stuff. And um, he, he showed me a picture of his copy of your book. And let me tell you, you'd be proud to see this thing. It was There's uh, uh, marks all over it and, and you know, uh, folded uh, you know, just all kinds of bookmarks hanging out of it, and he's he's a well-used copy of your book. And uh, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. People tell me that they have their mother's copies, and they are using her notes. I mean, people have written notes about when they saw this lake or this mountaintop, and that they put notes into the text, and then they pass it on to someone else. So I love hearing stories like that, because I'm so glad it's been such a kind of a landmark, I guess. Yeah, no kidding. Well, uh, he was uh, he was really curious about uh, the the different kids that were in the uh, book as far as the photos and stuff. And and do you know who those kids were? And, and just... yeah, I do. Well, it does. It depends on which edition he has. Uh, the one that has the orange cover with a boy jumping has some of Vicky Springs kids. And let's see. Uh, he had the uh, uh, like a my war- nieces and nephews. I don't think my there's only one or two of my own children in that one. <clears throat> Is that the copy he has? You know, 
Uh, yeah, I think there's like an orange header on top, and then it's yeah, like, that yeah. would be the the last one, which we tried to upgrade, and I would try and and get more information about. It. And it's very expensive to do a new edition, so they only would make small changes. One of the early ones is actually of um, Spring's grandchildren. I don't know if you're looking at the book, but anyway, there's a, a variety of children represented there. None of them more than once or twice. And some of of Pat Spring, because he always liked to use her as a model if she were along. Um, some were just, you know, children that we would speak to as we were going along. Do you mind if we take your picture? And they'd say, go right ahead. There's one, for instance, on the Natchez Peak Loop, which is one of my favorites, and it's become so crowded now. But it's of a, two little kids hand-in-hand hand walking along the meadow trail. Uh-huh. And, th- and that was just somebody random that you found? Yeah. We didn't know who they were, but their parents gave permission, which is the only thing you don't want to... I'm trying to find the one. <laughs> There's a funny one of Carol carrying the, her baby bottle. Oh, okay. Anyway, there, yes, there's some of my kids and some of other people's kids, too. Do you know uh, the, the ones of the kids that you actually know who they are, did they continue to hike after, you know, as they grew up and stuff? Well, I think Vicki Springs' kids did. I, don't, I can't say I know about the others. Uh, my own kids love to be out of doors, and they'll call me and say, we're going to head for such and such. What do you think? <laughs> In fact, <laughs> one of my, my girls called me the other day and said she was up at the Skagit flats looking for the snow geese and what was the best access and she was there and i said well you want to go to the wiley creek preserve and sure enough that's what she did so i felt nice happy that she would still check with me (laughs) but i could have told her ahead of time she just asked me (laughs) another time she called and she said she was going into the north cascades and she wanted a place that wouldn't have a lot of crowds so we talked about going over the baker dam the lake baker lake dam oh yeah Diablo and there's Lake some trail. wonderful trails up there. They're called Anderson and Watson Lakes, and there's hardly ever anybody there. Once we were walking along, and here came this man with two little tiny girls, and I said, and he was from Israel. He told me he had come all the way from Israel to hike in the North Cascades. I said, how did you find this trail? Because this is kind of obscure and a long drive from Seattle. Well, he said, I found this book. <laughs> so then I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, that, that is a wonderful hike up there. And you have, it, I like hikes like that that have options, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I brought both of my kids up there. I have a nine and five year old. And we, oh, we you get do? Out, yeah, we get out as much as we can. And uh, that's one of my, uh, become one of my passions is to, to just integrate hiking with them. And, and hopefully they, they want to pass it on when they get older, too, you know? I think. Once they've had their taste of it, they'll never forget it. I'm sure they won't. When uh, Do you remember, uh, like, as far as, I mean, you told the funny story about Snow Lake and stuff, and, and I'm just now getting my daughters into some serious, more serious backpacking. And do you remember, uh, you know, what age you, you started doing that uh, with your kids as far as backpacking? Um, well, I think we we would go to Mount Rainier, and I think... One of the first ones was um, Quapache. I don't know if you know that one. On the, it, no. It's not easy to get to anymore. But anyway, we were going to go swimming in the lake at Lake at Quapache Meadow. And it was late in the summer, maybe even as early as early September. 
And so we got there, and it was just a mud hole. <laughs> it was a beautiful meadow around it, but the water had dropped way down. And it was disappointing. And uh, so they didn't want to go into that, thank you very much. <laughs> so we made our dinner and looked at the sun and looked up at Mount Rainier and thought, well, we were lucky to be there. The next morning, we got up in the sunrise, and we went to one lake above, beautiful little alpine lake that isn't even on the most maps. And it was everything that we had wanted. And, and they stayed and played in that lake. I think they were pretty small still. But I um, can't think of it. St. James or something like that. I can't think of the name anymore. It, it turned out to be just exactly what they'd wanted, what they had expected and hoped for. Oh, that's great. Isn't that, that perfect? Out well. Those are the good ones. <laughs> yeah, that's right. oh, yeah, that's good. Well, um, one more thing I wanted to ask you. What advice do you give to parents that maybe haven't taken their kids out yet and want to get out? I have two things to say. Do not be afraid. Whatever fears you have, don't let them show. And remember that we don't have dangerous animals or poisonous snakes or poisonous insects. Don't be afraid. And the second one is don't complain. If you can be there in the minute and make the most of whatever you find, they'll have a great time. If you start talking about how tired you are or how much work this is or if you spoil it by being negative, that's what they'll remember later. So the, the important thing is to have a good time with them in the moment. There's not going to be any telephones or TVs interrupting. And then not to be afraid because you're going to have a wonderful time no matter what. Yeah, that's good. Well, one thing that uh, I wanted to point out that uh, with your uh, Best Hikes Kids in Washington – is that that's also a good book for uh, older hikers as well, right? That's right. I have <laughs> lots of senior friends now that <clears throat> don't want to go much more than five miles or 1,500 feet elevation gain. So it works for them, too. I don't call it that, but that's exactly right. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Well, hey, Joan, thanks so much for taking time to, uh, to, to interview here, and um, I really appreciate it. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for asking. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash cascadehikerpodcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, rudy at cascadehikerpodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress I come running when I hear that song It could never be wrong, it could never be wrong Where you wanna run, maybe I'll run too I would leave this world for a beautiful girl If I could just find